Podcast Network. Uh, it is Crossover Wednesdays. We are joined here this evening. This is uh, Locked On Browns here, your host, Jeff Lloyd. We are joined, Locked On Bengals, Mr. James Rapian. Guys, it's obviously, it, it's fun to sit down here again. And it's actually funny because the uh, first one we got to do was the, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, now we're here, we're recording a week before Christmas. So, you know, me and James are uh, far, far apart, but getting to spend our holidays together. Um, James, uh, I hate to say you called this when we got and sat down before Thanksgiving. Um, but it seemed like the writing was on the wall and you know whatever was being held together by maybe a last and final stitch for the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, it, it's just absolutely shredded now and it's into pieces. Yeah, it is, right? I mean, it's it's crazy to think that this team was 4-1 once upon a time. It's crazy to think that we were talking about Andy Dalton having, and I said it, having a the best four-game stretch, four-game start to his career, um, in, or, or in, to a season in his career. Um, Bill Lazor praising him, and just now you're looking at it, it's, it's really the same old thing for the Bengals. Um, you got Marvin Lewis, and you don't have Andy Dalton anymore, but you just have a, a roster that's injured, it's clearly slowed. There should be a bunch of changes, and um, a, a lot like a year ago, even though it feels like Marvin should be out the question that a lot of fans that on their minds is, will he be out? And, and I think also, uh, for the past two decades, the Cleveland Browns have been bad. So the fact that Cincinnati's looking up north and you're starting to see the Browns surge, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm on locked on Browns as well, but you see the Browns surge and you're like, oh man. You know, for two decades, you've been able to take advantage of one bad team in the division always, no matter what. And, and now it's kind of, it's, it's got check time for the Bengals a little bit. And, uh, it'll be certainly a, an interesting offseason. We'll see if they'll move on from Marvin. And and maybe the thing is, and look, sometimes you know maybe you do not realize how bad things are unless you hit absolute rock bottom. So for all the Bengal fans, maybe this is a good thing for you because look, I mean, it's there. Um, you're most likely going to finish in the cellar of the AFC North. Uh, you know, Cleveland on top of you with Baker Mayfield, Baltimore on top of you with a rookie quarterback and Lamar Jackson. You know, Pittsburgh is still the standard in this division for the time being. That's, you know, that's not changing. It doesn't seem like anytime soon unless, you know, Ben finally in one of these offseasons says, yeah, this is really the year. I'm really done. But right now, that's what everybody's chasing. But for Cincinnati, this is it now. You're the cellar dwellers. You know, there's never been a time like it's going to be here within the next two weeks of, you know, is is this it? This should be it because it certainly feels like it. Uh, we're going to get in here, guys, a little bit. We're going to break down uh, you know, Bengals offense, uh, Browns defense. One thing I will say, James, and obviously, you know, you didn't predict this, but obviously it was the first Cleveland game, uh, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, look, if somebody's 295 pounds and you're both going for the ball at the same time and it's on the ground, you're a quarterback. Just get the hell out of there. Save your life for another play. I mean, kudos to him for trying to do it. Ended up, you know, mangling the thumb. Season over. But Jeff Driscoll came in. And did some things. And I'll say, Jeff Driscoll's, he's looked like a guy who's going to stick around this league for a while, which I can't believe I'm saying after years ago seeing him out of Florida and going, you don't have another quarterback on the roster, you're Florida. But now here's Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> and, you know, not much else is going on. I mean, obviously, you know, the loss of Tyler Boyd is is terrible. The young man was putting together a fantastic season and showing that, you know, he could be one guy that he could look towards for the future here. But Jeff Driscoll, he's not played bad. He's not. He had a bad game the other day, but for the most part, you're right. He showed that he could be uh, a capable NFL quarterback, a backup quarterback, a, a guy who can stick in the league, which, like you said, who who would have thought that a couple of years ago? Who would have thought that after Chip Kelly and the 49ers released him? 
as a rookie after they invested a draft pick in him. So, yeah, he, he's he's shown flashes. He certainly has the athletic traits. And to be honest, in this league, in this day and age, when you're talking about a, a backup quarterback, you want him to be really good at something. And, and what Jeff Driscoll is really good at, especially with a flawed roster, it's not like he's playing with A.J. Green. Uh, he's going to be without Tyler Boyd, I think, for the final two weeks of the season as well. So offensive line issues, there's all sorts of issues that the Bengals have. So it's not like he's the, the biggest issue on the offense. And, and he's kept them above water. He's kept them competitive, especially a couple weeks ago against the Chargers. I thought he played really well against a, a high-end football team. So yeah, Jeff Driscoll, he has been somewhat of a surprise. Uh, and, and I think that he's showing that he can be a capable backup in an NFL where you know, if you can run the ball a little bit and you need to start for a couple of games, you can do that. You know, I, I think he could go be a backup in a bunch of different places and thrive, including Cincinnati. And he's showing uh, he's showing a lot so far this year. And that's the thing is, uh, if you're the Browns, you don't want to overlook this Bengals team. It'll be easy to, but you don't want to overlook them, especially with someone like Dristol, who has shown some flashes. Again, he was bad last week, 14 of 33. Um, which is just awful. But uh, overall, I think he's played relatively well in the, the couple of games that he's played in ending matches. And, you know, this also goes back to when we, you know, when we spoke the first time. You know, what I said was what was going to concern me. And at the time, it was weird because, remember, it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, A.J. Green might play Saturday. And at, where at the time, it was, oh, we won't see him until December. He ended up not playing. But now, you know, I look at it from my standpoint here and with the Browns, you know, we go into it, you know, first thing we do, you know, we look at it from the defensive standpoint is who are you looking to control? Who are you looking to shut down? And, you know, obviously it's going to start with Joe Mixon. He had a pretty good game the first time. Oh, granted, majority of it was, you know, three solid runs. You know, I, th- I think he broke three, you know, three between like 15 and 30, which, you know, aided to a nice number for him on the day overall. But after that, and especially now with Boyd out and there won't be an A.J. Green and, I mean, from my standpoint, you got to think Jeff Driscoll's coming up to the line of scrimmage, and he's going to see a lot of, you know, seven, eight, nine in the box, similar to what they did to Denver, where it's like, all right, well, we know you got the running back who you really like. We're going to take that away, and you're going to have to beat us somehow else. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do to the Bengals. I would take away Joe Mixon, and I would make life hard on him. And I talked about this on Monday's Locked on Bengals. Uh, This Boyd injury... It can be a blessing, uh, and here's how. I, I don't think the coaching staff, for the most part, the coaches that are there, and that being Marvin Lewis, Bill Lazor wasn't the offensive coordinator then, but Marvin Lewis, I don't think he wanted to draft John Ross. Um, and even though I've, I've been on board with, with the Ross pick, and I thought it made a ton of sense, it, it hasn't fit perfectly, even though he has had six touchdowns this year, hasn't really had that breakout game. Uh, I compared it to what Boyd did last year. The final two weeks of the season, Boyd got a game-winning touchdown against Baltimore. He had a bunch of uh, big receptions the week prior uh, in a win over Detroit. They knocked him out of the playoffs. That's what you need to do if you're the Bengals. Get Ross some confidence. Let him be the guy. Get him 10, 12 targets. Manufacture touches. And, and Jeff, you're, you're aware of this. There, there's a big difference between being a part of the game plan and getting 6, 8, 10 targets and getting the ball to your, your playmaker and Ross in space versus throwing them a deep ball and, and it goes out of bounds. And it's like, oh, well, there's one of your targets. Well, not really. That's <laughs> and, 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 and I just I think that they really need to try to get the ball to him um, and get it to him in space, try to get, get it to him downfield. But with the offensive line, with Driscoll's limitations, obviously with Miles Garrett on the other side, and 
and, and everybody like that that they got on, on that defensive line in Cleveland, you, you might have to limit that. But getting Ross in space, I think, is key this week to have a chance against the Browns. Um, otherwise, you're right. They're going to load up in the box, and that's it. They're just going to take away Mixon and, and beat you. And so you need someone else to emerge, and I think it needs to be Ross. And I think they need to set him up for success. And, and but part of the reason why you need to do it is look, you know, AJ Green is not getting any younger, even if he comes back 100% healthy. You know, obviously one of the dominant guys in the league. But now we're going to start factoring in age a little bit, and you know, you could just see some general decline due to that. Um, Boyd, you know what you have, and um, you know, I think you have maybe a more athletic Jarvis Landry. You know, kind of what the Browns fans were hoping they were going to get with Jarvis Landry. And now after 14 games, uh, they kind of see they got what we tried to tell them they were going to get, but are paying 15 million dollars for it. Um, before we start flipping it on over here, um, you guys going to bring Hugh or are you just going to leave in Cincinnati, James? Because <laughs> I'm assuming the reception is going to be fantastic. I'm sure there will be hugs oh and handshakes and they'll be thrilled to see him. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, of course they're going to be thrilled. He helped, uh, direct in the two, five, or what was it, 336 and what, whatever it was. Um, yeah, Hugh's going to be back and that's the, the biggest question and it's it's crazy to think about, but like Steve Jackson, he might be back next year as the head coach of the Bengals. Like that isn't crazy to think about. Which I uh, hope not. Or, 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 I hope not for Bengals fans. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. And and so, um, yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting. I actually I have a feeling that the Bengals are going to be pretty competitive on Sunday. And I know the Browns are rolling, um, and, and I expect the Browns to win just the, the way they played over the past you know month and a half, two months. But, uh, yeah, I think that the Bengals, that Tyler Boyd injury is huge for the offense, but I think they're going to be competitive. Usually Marvin Lewis can find a way to get his team competitive at this stage of, uh, of the year. In the past two weeks they've done that, especially the Chargers game. That, that was one uh, that, that I, I uh, had felt good about, the way they performed it from a, uh, an effort standpoint. So I think they'll come out and they'll give a lot of effort. But you're right, Hugh Jackson. Uh, you wonder if, if he's going to try to get, and I don't know, and I don't really have a handle on this, but if he's going to try to get those those Bengals players behind him this week. I don't even know if he has that kind of, uh, that kind of clout in the Bengals <laughs> locker room. But, but you wonder if that's, uh, that's something he's, he'll try to do. Uh, and look, I mean, because it, it comes to the point now, you know, look, I mean, you know, a lot of guys on the Bengals, look, I mean, you're kind of like in a p- position here where, I mean, if it is so all tore down, you're playing for your livelihood. And, you know, once the Bengals start making phone calls and saying, oh, well, we're going to move on from this guy, you know, the other thing you're going to have is, you know, teams on the other end going, well, the Bengals are moving on from you. So if the Bengals are moving on from you, you know, how much is it worth or, you know, to us? So, I mean, you know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know. I don't want to say career-wise, you know, on the line, but it's a lot of, you know, where you are and just things of that nature. And, I mean, if you're moving on, you know, how are you viewed moving on? You know, obviously a lot needs to be done here uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, look, like I said, and, you know, maybe rock bottom is going to be the finally thing that's going to, you know, get one of those people in the front office to say, yeah, I I think it's time. I mean, for a head coach like Marvin Lewis to be there as long as he has, I mean, there should be a, a Lombardi somewhere, or or at least an AFC Championship game, or at least you played for one. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just not the case. And you know, with the way the league is now, you know, maybe you know, with the older head coach, maybe you need to f- completely flip the script and go for one of these younger minds, somebody who's you know doing things drastically different than the way Cincinnati has over the years. Guys, this is your crossover Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns and Locked On Bengals. Uh, James Rapian, host of Locked On Bengals. Jeff Lloyd here, obviously, is your host of Locked On Browns. The Locked On NFL Network podcast, the uh, we call it the flagship show. Matt Williamson, fantastic job. Uh, Monday, you get 
the uh, hosts of Locked On Browns, Locked On Bengals, any of the other teams, whoever, you know, it was a big weekend. He usually puts together three or four of those for his Monday show. Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback. Um, you know, so much young quarterback play league. Sage, obviously, is a good guy. can guide you through that. The Wednesday show with Matt Williamson, you get your PFF show. Mike Renner joins him for that. Thursdays, Mike Sando from ESPN is his regular guest. Obviously, they do a lot of league stuff and start getting you headed, transitioning you from the past week into the week ahead. Friday, Matt sits down, does this NFL Pick'em show. Gets you everything you need. So if you want to go ahead and use mybookie.com after you listen to Matt Williamson's Friday show, get some picks for the weekend, go ahead and jump in all over that. But uh, Matt Williamson, Locked On NFL Podcast, he does a fantastic job, guys, over there. Make sure you're described. We're going to flip it on over here. And as far as the Bengals' defense, uh, James... First appearance, and look, I mean, the the Browns were ready, and this is where we started to see, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you know, basically just doing (laughs) things different, opening things up. I mean, started right off the bat where Nick Chubb was barely playing with Hugh Jackson. Um, They weren't even using him as a receiver, and what did they do right off the bat to get that day going? Screen pass, Nick Chubb, and I mean, for Cincinnati, the wheels all pretty much kind of fell off that day right there. Yeah, you're right, Uh, and it was... It, it was kind of a breakout performance, right? It, it was, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield doing what he does, Nick Chubb doing what he does. And and I, I will say that the Bengals' defense, and that was, that you mentioned rock bottom in the first segment. That might have been their rock bottom or close to it. They're at home. They have so much to play for, and at that point they did. And they, they just fall on their face, and the defense doesn't show up. And I, I know the defense played better, and I say that in quotes in the second half. But not really. The, the Browns kind of went into, let's control the clock, let's get out of here with a W. Well, also, I mean, you know, and everybody... Yeah, well, some guys, some Browns fans are like, well, they were terrible in that second half. Um, When is the last time the Browns played with a 28-point lead? So sometimes, right. you know, until you actually do something, you don't know what you're doing. So, you know, and, you know, I do agree there was some of it, oh, okay, you know, we've done here enough, let's get out of here, but, you know... Sometimes it's just, you know, you know, they just didn't know how to put together a six-minute offense where it didn't matter if they scored or not. And, you know, so obviously they gave Driscoll plenty of opportunities to, you know, create some things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm with you there. Uh, that being said, the Bengals' defense has been better in recent weeks. The, the past couple of weeks they've shown a bit. They've shown up. Sam Hubbard had um, a couple of huge plays, a forced fumble last week. Geno Atkins had three sacks. But, again, that's against the Raiders, so... I go back two weeks ago, and they played pretty well against uh, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers led the Chargers to two touchdown drives on the first two possessions, and then they didn't score another touchdown the rest of the way. Four field goals they held the Chargers to. So the past seven quarters or so of football for the Bengals defense has been better. So I would expect the, the same. I would expect them to come into Cleveland and, and, and First Energy Stadium and give a, a pretty good performance because you mentioned it. A lot of these guys are either, one, playing for their job, whether it's in Cincinnati or elsewhere, two, are young players that are trying to just impress and, and get their way and find their way in the NFL, uh, or three, if you're, you're Geno Atkins or you're Carlos Dunlap, you're just you're pros. So you want to go out there and you want to right the wrongs that have been you know, the past two months of this season. So I, I think that the Bengals' defense... I don't want to say they, they've turned a corner because I don't think they're good. I think that's the biggest disappointment of the season is how bad they've been. But they've been better in recent weeks. I would expect that to continue. Does that mean they're going to shut down Mitch Chubb and Baker Mayfield? I don't think so, not one bit. Uh, but will they be competitive versus 
a month a month ago when they they played at Paul Brown Stadium and they weren't competitive. Yes, I think they'll be much more competitive. I don't think they'll ever be a uh, a twenty eight point edge either way in this one on Sunday. Um. Well, for my Browns listeners, I think they would absolutely prefer that and then some. Uh, Montez Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Montez Perfect. Um. Is he still just talking an insane amount of crap on the field and not doing anything? Because it seems like that was the case at least that week. Um, still, really, nothing. Yeah, he uh, he was out last week with a concussion. Assuming he's back this week, and, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if he will be or not. But doesn't does, doesn't strike me like a guy who's going to show up for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, here's the thing: is he's just not good anymore. Like he's just. Well, that was the thing. You lived with all the garbage that he that came along with him, because at the end of the day, it was like, well, well, there was nine tackles, there was two pressures, a sack, a tackle for loss. But now there's, I mean, you get even, I mean, you know, you don't see the impact. And that was the one thing they targeted the first time they played was it was like, wow, these linebackers are going to do nothing. But you get nothing out of him now. He just kind of stands around, runs his mouth, and makes zero plays. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's that's a fair assessment of him. There was a play against the Broncos where Philip Whitney was in the open field and Burfitt was standing there, had shed his block and was standing, not straight up, but was in an athletic position where he could make the tackle on Lindsay. And somehow Burfitt ended up falling over and not even touching Lindsay. And I posted a screenshot. Like, he not only didn't make this tackle, he didn't even touch the running back. And he's just, he's a shell of what he once was. Uh, that's a good way to describe Vontez Burfitt. And uh, really, that is... If you're the Cleveland Browns, what do you want to exploit? You want to exploit the linebackers? Uh, because I, I think the corners uh, have played well. We all know about William Jackson and how good he is. But Drake Kirkpatrick's played well recently. Darkwood Bernard has played well, too. So the cornerbacks, I want to avoid that. The secondary's been pretty good overall. Sean Williams had a good game last week. Uh, but the linebacking group, that, that's still uh, that's still a that's still a spot where if you're any team going up against the Bengals, you can exploit it. And the good news is, is if you're the Browns, you have the exact personnel to do so. You have Duke Johnson. You have Nick Chubb. Obviously, you have Baker Mayfield who's extremely accurate. So you can do that. And I think they will. Obviously, David Njoku uh, plays a role in that as well. So I think if you're Freddie Kitchens putting together a game plan for this week, you want to atta- uh, attack if Vontez Murphy is on the field, attack him and the rest of those linebackers. And it's been fun with Freddie. And uh- and the thing is, is Freddie almost kind of just looks at all the skill guys and almost throws them all out there, kind of like it's similar to a baseball lineup. Okay, I've got eight or nine is. You're all going to get two to three <laughs> cracks to make some plays. You know, obviously Nick Chubb's your three hitter, and he's going to get a bunch. Um, and then you go, and, and now this has been, it's just been hysterical to even talk about this. Obviously, you know, you with your familiarity of the AFC North and me. Brashard Perriman, you know, guy regarded for years as a colossal bust down in Baltimore, uh, got the party started against Carolina Panthers with a 66-yard reception. Got the party started, essentially, against the Denver Broncos with a 31-yard touchdown reception. Um, this guy, you know, joke, punchline, cast off, all of this stuff. He's really, really turned into a playmaker for this Browns offense, and he brings the you know, the unique skill set of tall, long, thicked-out body, and fast as heck. It's just funny seeing this guy who's been in the league forever and not, never done anything and just kind of finding his way. And when he signed here, I mean, the Browns still were no even close to what they are now. But he's he's been a pretty solid damn part with almost you know 19 yards per reception. Yeah, he's been fun to, to watch. And I tweeted after that 66 yard catch, I tweeted like, "Wow, Rashad Perriman went from bust to player in Cleveland." Not that I said star or anything like that. I took so much heat for it, but it's, it's true. 
he's turned into a player and James he went on the ball and it's uh, it's interesting to think you got me yes oh, you got me mm-hmm. oh okay I thought you said alright I'll keep going Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think that we're talking about Perriman, and when he was signed, Jeff, I'm sure you were like, "Well, what, why? Why are they bringing him?" Well, there were, there, were bring him in? there were injuries at the time, and it was like, "All right, we'll see Bashard Perriman for about ten days until yeah. everybody's healthy," and then it was just kind of like he's like, "Oh, no, 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 no." <laughs> but he's the Ravens' Corey Coleman. I mean, that's that's what he was. You know, it, it just it didn't work out for Baltimore, and he comes here, and, and now you're wondering, "Well, heck." Should he be on the roster next season? Which I don't think it was was even thought about at all when he was signed. Yeah, I mean he's shown well in that regard, and and you know the Jarvis Landry, you know obviously they're paying him wide receiver one money, but I mean there's just things Jarvis is he doesn't truly have the build, so you need somebody who can aid what Jarvis can't do as your wide receiver one. You know Perriman can get vertical, he can win on jump balls. These are things Jarvis doesn't excel at. He's a a, a good route good route runner, good with the balls in his hands. He will be where he needs to be on every route, but you just can't make up for the fact that somebody is six foot three, long armed and damn near 220 pounds, which is what you get with a guy like Perriman. They did bring in some younger guys who fit those type of athletic profiles. They just weren't ready yet. And you can't really put guys out there who were still learning on the fly with a Baker Mayfield, who was just not your traditional rookie quarterback by any means at 23 years old. I mean, probably threw damn near 1,500 passes in college. You needed guys who at least could understand NFL speed and understand the nuances of, you know, I need to be in this spot and I need to be there at the same ex- at this precise exact time. And the one thing with Perriman is he's getting to those spots now, but making some catches. Landry, Higgins, uh, you know, Najoku, they're starting to uh, set the valve now is now going to be their fullback. Orson Charles had played that for a while, but he's now injured and out. So it, it's just fun. And, and they have a lot of athleticism with all these guys, and these guys are able to do some things. Yeah, it, it seems they're a young, fun team. What I think the, uh, the, the Browns are, they're a hybrid of the 2003 in 2004 Bengals. Um, and what I, I mean by that is, is they have a number one pick in Baker Mayfield who's playing as a rookie. And the reason I mix in 03 and 04, Palmer didn't play as a rookie. Yep. You know, he was the first overall pick. He played the second year. But you have this this new culture, and you can see it start to change, and you can see it start to click, and the confidence is building, and the city's starting to buzz, and you realize what's going to happen. And I think the Browns are a year ahead of the Bengals. It took them until year three of, of the Marvin Lewis era, year three of Palmer, because he didn't play his first year, to, to get to the playoffs and to make that push. I think the Browns are going to do it in year two. Uh, whoever the coach ends up being, and I know there's plenty of discussion among Browns fans on who it, who it is, but I, I think the roster is going to improve. I think Baker Mayfield's a guy going to attract free agents, which how many times have you, uh, have Cleveland fans had that discussion before, but I think that's where they're at. And you're right, young athletic players. Uh, Peppers, I like him a lot. He seems to be coming on now. And Miles Garrett, obviously. Um, but Ogunjobi, like him a lot. I like uh, Schobert on defense. You have some athleticism on defense. And then on offense, Njoku, I think he's going to continue to develop, and then they'll draft a, another wide receiver early this year. And obviously Chubb and Baker, you're going to have a, a pretty good team. I, I think it's shaping up really well. And like I said, free agents as well are going to be interested in coming here. So 
the Browns, they remind me of that 3 4 Bengals stretch. Once they get a coach and they get like one, one more draft, one more free agency period, they could win the division next year. That's not crazy to say. Yeah, well, I, I think they're certainly going to vie for it, and I think this is what's crucial. I mean, you know, some fans will still go back to the, well, if you're not going to make the playoffs, worry about draft position. It would be paramount for this team to finish 8-7-1. It would be paramount paramount for them to walk out of this this season going 4-1-1 one, one against their division. If they know they can go from 1-31 to feeling 100% confident that they're competing for the division, knowing they were probably the second best team in the AFC North this year, it's just going to do so much more for the all-season workouts and just the continued bonding that's going on between this team. Guys, this is your crossover Wednesday edition of Locked On Bengals and Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, uh, James, obviously you have him for a few more weeks here. Uh, you know, Could be a shake-up, could be somebody new covering Locked On Bengals. We'll see how all that plays out. Uh, Locked On Browns, uh, to all my listeners, guys, uh, thanks for all the support lately. Uh, the, the way the show's been growing as the team grows, it just means the absolute world to me. But guys, make sure you're listening to both. We'll have you covered either way, fans, before, you know, with everything up until Sunday's action. So Locked On Browns, Locked On Bengals, guys, uh, we appreciate all the support. Keep the downloads coming. Now, we're going to kind of have to get in here to slowly closing this out. And um, I don't know, you know, look, you know, I, I appreciate what Jeff Driscoll's done. If he wants to throw a couple more picks on Sunday and somehow, some way, the ball gets handed off to Hugh James, I'm okay with that. I am. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a moment that where maybe a picture encaptured a million words, it was no doubt that. No doubt about it. I mean, he, he did it. And I was like, oh, my God, he handed the ball to Hugh. And you I took it. it well. You took it. But that's yeah. the thing. I'd say, like, I would have been, I mean, smack it down. You, he literally took it from him. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and that's the, and, and I was still in Cincinnati then. And the next day it was like, my God. Like, it was just, that's what happened on your home field. Um, and it had happened back in 2014. So, it, but that was about as bad of a loss as, uh, as the Bengals had had, obviously, to the Browns, a team that they had had beat and always looked at and I think that was kind of a changing of the guard a bit little brother became uh, big brother we'll see see. yeah exactly and uh and so this this week I expect it to be much more competitive it might be the same result but like I said I expect it to be uh probably a single digit game I really do I think Marvin Lewis is going to find a way because I've seen it I've seen it for 15 years now you're 16 where he gets his team playing better down the stretch he's coaching for his job and here's the other thing, Jeff. If the Bengals, let's just say they win Sunday, that might be enough to get Marvin Lewis. It'd be a seventh win. They lose to Pittsburgh in Week 17. I just assume that because they always lose to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Seven and nine might be enough for Marvin Lewis to keep his job next season. Oh, good so job. I think he's going to have his team fired up. I, I'm just saying it might be enough. So there's, there's a lot on the line for both teams on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you will see, I guess, maybe what how the locker room feels about Marvin Lewis. If they come out with a solid effort, obviously they're fighting for the man. They come out and give a dog effort. Obviously, you know, the message is gone, and it's long been gone. For me, one of the most in, uh, interesting storylines here is going to be, look, this is going to be the first time Freddie Kitchens is going to be calling plays where somebody's played him before, and they know what they did to him the first time. So, you know, as great as Freddie has been with, you know, some originality to his script and his play calling week in, week out, now it's, you know, can he adapt? It's, you know, did he use did he use all his bullets for the first game with Cincinnati? Or is there more to come? And, I mean, look, everybody right now is in the moment in Cleveland. Oh, you know, you got to keep Freddie, you got to keep Freddie, whatever. And I, I'm not disagreeing. He has done a fantastic job. But this is kind of a big, big measuring stick here because 
you know, this is it. You know, I mean, they've already seen you. Uh, you know, did you empty the vault or what do you got this week? Because, look, obviously the Bengals right now look like they are an inferior opponent. So it's his job. And if this offense doesn't come out and, and click and hum and, and score well into the 20s, then maybe you do kind of get a little bit of reservations about Freddie and what he's doing. So th- I think that's going to be a big storyline here, Browns wise, Brown wise. And I, I do agree with you. I mean, you're going to get your measure of what Marvin has felt like in that locker room. They play hard. You know, they still respect the man. You know, they appreciate him. If they, if you don't see much effort, you're going to realize that. You know, I mean, you never know what the Bengals front office is going to do. But you realize that maybe you know it is finally time to you know sever that cord. Um, I, I still think it's going to be a double digit Brown win. Browns win. Um, it's the last home game of the season. Um, I know the tickets are literally flying off the shelves. Uh, it, you know, I, I talk with some of the guys in the ticket office for the Browns. Uh, it, it's just continuing to pick up. Obviously, they're going to be coming in this game off of a two-game winning streak. Last home game, Baker Mayfield has been out there preaching to the fans how he wants this place packed on Sunday. And right now, the, the fans, are, you know, with what Baker's doing, they're like Pavlovian dogs. Baker speaks. They're going to follow. So I do expect it to be a huge crowd. Um, it, it's going to be fun to see that, that initial hue reaction. Um, I'm sure you know, with the alcohol involved, I'm sure it'll all be, you know, you know, safe for children and, you know, definitely it'll, you know, be a G-rated type of stuff that he will be receiving from the fan base that day. But, you know, I, if you want to tell me 31-20, you know, I, I think that's, that could be the case. But for, for, for me though, Freddie, that's going to be a big storyline. How for the first time when he sees an opponent for a second time, let, let's judge him off of that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a, a good, it's a really good point, And I think it's going to be a good test for him uh, to add wrinkles, to add different things, different looks. What, what happens if the Bengals stop them for the first half, let's say? Or they can control, the Nick, Chubb, control Nick Chubb early. Sure. Now where do you go? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that, that if you're the Bengals, that's what you want to do, um, is, is try to make Baker throw it to one of your cornerbacks. You know, throw it at Rashard Terman with William Jackson on him. That, that favors you if you're the Bengals. You don't have... Uh, guys that can cover Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson out of the backfield with the quick hits and things. So if you could take the running backs out of the game and, and those quick passes out of the game, they might have a, a better shot. It's gonna be gonna be interesting. Um, now, obviously, you know for all you know all my Browns listeners, uh, you know James is now part of ninety two three the fan in Cleveland. You know you're getting Cavaliers coverage. You're gonna get some Indians coverage. You know James is gonna be all around. It seems like he's you know obviously I'd, I'd figure what come March James is gonna be at a sporting event probably per day running all over Cleveland. Uh, so guys, you know he's gonna finish his voyage here with the with the Bengals for all you locked on Bengals listeners. And then uh, Cleveland, he kind of becomes full time ours, and uh, it seems like you're uh, you know. Initiating yourself into the graces here for, uh, very well early, James. Yeah, trying to, no doubt about it. I mean, the Indians obviously have been in the, the news a bunch recently, writing about them a ton for 923thefan.com, and then obviously cast coverage as well. So those are the two things I focus on the most. Uh, obviously, I love football too, so don't be afraid to, to ask me or tweet me uh, Browns takes, uh, Browns listeners, because I, I certainly would love to talk Browns too. Okay, guys. Um, now, uh, as always, um, guys, the Locked On NFL Network on Instagram. Anything you need from any show get funneled through that account. So I go ahead and on Instagram, and I rec- highly recommend following that. Locked On NFL Net on Facebook as well. Everything is run through there as well. So, I mean, you're looking you're looking for interest on other teams or trying to find hosts of other teams to the shows. If there's something you want to talk about, I mean, you might want to branch into a couple of different shows, playoffs, and things of that nature, whatever's going on there. Uh, so, you know, go ahead and check out the Brotherhood at both of those sites. iTunes ratings, reviews, always appreciated. Um, you know, James. 
games. Happy holidays. Continued success here in Cleveland as we finish this up here, the 2018 season. You're going to get full time in and some other stuff. Um, it's been a blast to get to know you. Obviously, now where you are, we're going to get to talk a little bit more here uh, for Locked On Bagels, James Rapey, and for myself, Jeff Floyd, and Locked On Browns, guys. We appreciate everything, guys. Uh, hopefully, a safe and happy, happy holidays, holidays to everybody as we cruise on in here. You know, play Sunday, Christmas Eve, the next day, then Christmas. Everybody enjoy. Uh, you know, obviously enjoy Week 16. Regardless, it's a rivalry. It's always fun. You know, you, 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 you kind of want the bragging rights for the Browns to go 2-0. It'd be huge. The Bengals maybe to save a little face on what's been a disappointing season to this point. So we'll see how all that plays out on Sunday. Uh, until we talk to next time, guys, everybody, have yourselves a great day.